Hello, you. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you so much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. This weekend, actor Mark Gatiss joins me in the studio to tell us everything about Russell T Davies' brand new ITV drama, Nolly. Chef Hugh Fernie Whittingstall is back with a brand new cookbook, River Cottage Good Comfort. Delicious. Another chef and broadcaster, the lovely Andy Oliver, is in to give us the lowdown on the brand new series of Great British Menu on BBC Two. Show chef Martha has a quick chocolate treat and a tasty meatball recipe to share with us. And we have another round of Guess the Guest. See if you can guess this week's mystery voice. But hold your horses. First, we're putting our heads together to solve your dilemmas in Graham Guide. Here's Maria to kick us off. Woo! 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 Maria's just had a tuna fish and sweet corn sandwich. I wondered what that was. <laughs> I didn't like to say anything. Rude. Rude. But I forget that, the, you know, those things at this age start to stick in your teeth. <laughs> oh. How was your week? It was all right, thank you. I just watched your televisual show... Oh, yes. ..on the radio as I came in. I thought it was very good. I want Sarah Michelle Gellar, who was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, to be my friend. Yes, now... She's very funny. What I didn't like to ask was... How old is Sarah Michelle Gellar? Well, it's hard to know in Hollywood because everyone's got fillers and so on, haven't they? But she looked good. She looked amazing. It's 20 years since Buffy, isn't it? Or 25 years? It's 20 years since the end of Buffy. Oh, okay. So she must have been in her. She did it for 60 years, so she must have been. 90? Yeah, early 90s. But she was good on it. Oh, no, very good. It's a Hollywood 90s. And she was great on the steps getting up, wasn't she? She was (laughs) getting onto the stage. I thought it was a really good show. Everybody gelled very nicely. Um, And I loved Sam Smith's song. Really fun staging. It looked like a regional disco, didn't it? It looked like, you know, the um, shimmering off ice two for a a pound. Yes, (laughs) yes. But they seem very happy in themselves these days. And although I was a bit concerned about the um, the tights, looked very sheer, see through. <laughs> yes. And you had a big bumful, didn't you? I, I really did. It was like oh, mercifully, hello. someone dimmed the lights. <laughs> They'd have been letters. They'd have been letters. When, when Sam Smith came on, I thought, oh, my goodness, how tall. Uh, and then realised, uh, yes. massive platform. Yes. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me about your week. You're the one who lives a showbiz lifestyle. My showbiz lifestyle. Well, I've been filming my top secret project oh, in, yeah. at Pinewood. I'll be doing that. I think we uh, only need to click on what's going on at Pinewood and we'll find out. OK. If anyone's interested in yes, the Yes, I'm in the new Star Wars. All right, you got it out of me. <laughs> who are you playing? Chewbacca? <laughs> Drink backer. Chewbacca's father. <laughs> I am your father. I don't even know how Chewbacca speaks. He doesn't. He, he doesn't. Just, he does oh, a that's, a, that's the whole point. Oh, that yes, thing. that's yeah. right. Good. That's well him. done. Yeah, thank you. Uh, no, uh, here's exciting. I am returning to the stage, Maria. Get out of the pool. Yeah. I'm doing a one night only variety show at the O2. Oh, two. Um, To me, when I, you know, knowing you as I do, that means basically you are introducing a lot of acts and so you're top and tailing. Gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) Meaning you don't have to do very much at all. No, I I, I will... You've got to warm them up, you've got to warm the audience up, come out laughing. I'll skip about a bit. Skipping about. And then I'll pace my intake of white wine backstage so I don't embarrass myself by the end of the night. Yes. And uh, and then there are some good people like Bianca Del Rio who won... Oh, lovely. uh, there, there. Danny Beard, who won. There, there. Sam Ryder singing. Oh, well, Sam Ryder, I would go to the ends of the earth. Would you like to come to the O2? No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's beyond the end of the earth. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, it's those things. It sounds good. And then you think, oh, when is that now? Oh, that's tomorrow. Oh, hopefully no. they'll cancel. No, it's Friday the 3rd of March. We'll be there. We'll be there. Oh, Friday the 3rd of March. Good, good, good. Anyone else you can tell us about? <coughs> uh, Excuse me. Uh, Jade Adams is on. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Catherine Ryan. We love Catherine um, Ryan. No, it's a really good lineup. Yeah. No. How many babies has she got now? <laughs> she uh, suddenly popped out about nine babies in a row. Well, hopefully uh, she won't be in labour that evening and right. uh, <laughs> she'll be delivering jokes. <laughs> oh, so when you say returning to the stage, I was expecting you to, you know, maybe reprise your role in La Cage aux Folles. Uh, mais non. Mais non, because... Um, but this is just that, stand-up, really, That was it? hard work. I mean, yes. I have to say this is just stand-up, but I mean, you know, very difficult job well, stand-up. thank you very much, yes, Maria, so for your support. Thank you. I'll be there in spirit. <laughs> Willing you on. Thank you very much. Yes, I'll FaceTime you while it's going on. I'll show you to the audience. They'll be excited. <laughs> Make Here's... sure I put a face back on that. <laughs> Here's my friend Maria in Hastings. Didn't want to come. Uh, do letters, uh, I believe, are in of our future. Of course I do. Marvellous. Virgin Radio. OK, here's... Uh, problem number uno. That's right. I'm having trouble speaking today, have you noticed? <laughs> yes, I have, but I didn't like to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that tuna. <laughs> I haven't chewed my tuna enough. Here we go. Dear Graham and Maria, recently a good friend of mine turned 40 and in our group of friends, six of us put money together and raised about 60 quid. One of the friends offered to get a nice piece of jewellery from town and said they would look in the independent jewellers. She ended up having to order online in the end as she told us she couldn't find anything. Well, the item she ended up getting was not very nice at all. It was very tacky. After some reflection and after the item was presented to the birthday girl, I did some Googling and found the website where the item was purchased. Nothing on the site cost more than £15. I'm feeling really annoyed as we weren't told how much the item was and we were all too polite to ask for receipts, etc. I feel like she's done a fast one and pocketed the money. At this point, I'm happy to let the money go. Are you? But I feel disrespected and I'm not sure how to proceed with the friendship. What should I do? And that is from Casey in Edgware. I'm quite liking this problem. I Graham. love this problem. <laughs> I mean, Casey in Edgware. OK, lessons learned. You do the buying next time. She maybe has charged for her time. <laughs> <laughs> busy, busy, busy. <laughs> the point is, did the birthday girl like the tacky piece of jewellery? No. 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 She could ask for the receipt and to change it if she wanted to. But you're, you could always say, Casey from Edgware, if you really care, can you tell me where that came from? Because I liked it so much, I would like to buy one for myself. So then she'll have to give you the website, I mean, even though you know what the website is, she'll have to give you the website and she'll know that you'll be able to see how much it was. And then you're quite within your rights to say, oh, I did buy one of those bracelets or whatever it was, and it was only 15 quid. So what happened? To the, you, know, you can then say, oh, I thought we'd all put in 60 pounds. I don't think it's worth blowing things up, Casey and Edgware, for this amount of money. I mean, you don't know, maybe she really needed the money. Is all the drama 
strictly necessary, but you could make do these things to find out. And to... yes, I mean, you you she's done the research, so she now knows. I think what's what's bad for everyone is that you all chipped in, think, oh, let's put our money together so we can get her something nice, and they've ended up getting her something worse. You know, like one of them could have bought her that she could have six pieces of this terrible jewelry. <laughs> Yeah, uh, rather which is what the, everyone wants. Six so, pieces of awful things. Yeah, so, so, it's, so that's why I feel every, all the friends must be very let down that they chipped in to try and get her something nicer and she's ended up with something awful. Well, so, Casey hasn't said whether she's told the other five friends. The others must be going, really? That was 60 quid? Like, you would. You would wonder. And if I was Casey, I'd tell them. Uh, and then see what they do. Oh. Tell them, tell them, and see what they do. What well, don't you think it's worth trying the, the thing first? Of, uh, I'd like to get it. Can you give me the website? And then going back to her and saying, oh, that was only fifteen quid. So have we got change? Have we got money left over? No, but then, but then you, you're then you're the one sticking your head above the parapet, and it will somehow the 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 person who basically has pocketed 45 quid will uh, turn everyone else against you. So I think you're better to just uh, casually mention to someone... Oh, so we have a, a, a pile-on instead of just one-to-one. Yeah. One. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because, no, better. wait, Graham, because, Casey, <laughs> it could be that there's she's got really difficult financial worries, in which case it's much better to keep it between you and her. I mean, there's, there could be a reasonable explanation or one that you will find acceptable because you say you're happy to let the money go and you're working really on more of a principle. I don't like the idea of a five-person pile-on, Graham, on something like this for 45 quid. You know, you've been friends a long time. The, the birthday girl but, is 40. Would, when, when there was only 60 quid, it's not like she kept the change. It's not like it was 55 quid and she kept a fiver. You That you'd got to go, all right. No, she kept most of it. She spent the change on the gift. She has kind of humiliated this friend group by they all had to stand by this thing. And, and watch this horrible and, thing and, be unwrapped. Yeah, and kind of go, yeah, that's what we all chipped together to get you. That's how much we like so you. So you're more concerned with the quality of the present and the birthday girl getting something well, rubbish. Well, the birthday girl is thinking, this is how this is what my friends think of me. This is this is how much they value our friendship. This Because it was our 40th birthday. It wasn't like any old birthday where mm. you could just, you know, buy a scent of candle or something. It was a... Uh, this is her 40th birthday. And they, the friends, had the right impulse. We need to get something, you know, special for this. So let's all chip in. And now look. So you're sticking with your original idea of telling all the Pile people. Pile on. Oh, Graham. <laughs> I mean, now I'm feeling sorry for the girl that... Or tell the birthday girl. And then you can just, just kind of look. I'm so embarrassed about that. But, you know... So and so, she nicked forty-five quid. Oh, God. Uh, you know, really you know what I, she's like. I'm really glad I don't work in an office with you. I mean, I do have to sit opposite you here now, of course, and I, I will and be. I poison everyone against you with the minute you leave. <laughs> no, you do. That's why I never get a coffee. Everybody goes out and gets a group coffee. Is there ever one for me? No. Do you ever bring any in? Oh, no. Okay. I, I'm going to come in tomorrow laden with coffees. Oh, good. <laughs> I saw what you did there. And uh, my favourite responder today will be getting a bottle of <gasps> Waitrose Loved and Found Frappato. What's that, Graham? Well, these loved and found wines are lesser-known varieties from around the world, carefully chosen by Waitrose buyers. This is a light-bodied red with floral nose and notes of ripe strawberry... Ooh, uh, it, it's a reflection of where the grapes are growing, caressed by the Mediterranean sun. I mean, this is poetry. 
Uh, it is delicious paired with creamy pasta dishes or serve lightly chilled with antipasti. Oh, or a dry straw. Uh, the, I put the dry straw in. The wait, waitress don't suggest that. <laughs> they, they strongly suggest a glass and being sensible. Uh, waitress, love to find for Pato. Right, uh, Peter near Market Harbour. I think you ask the birthday girl if she likes the present, as you think it's awful. Then when she says, yes, it's dire, you could say, let's exchange it and ask Meanie Pants' friend for the receipt so she can change it. You know, Meanie Pants. I think the clue's in her nickname. <laughs> but make sure all the friends are there so that Meanie Pants has to come clean. <gasps> J'accuse. I know what you did last summer. Very good. Uh, Julie from Liverpool says, are you 100% sure that this is the website your friend used? You could be wrong. I'd sound the rest of the girls out first to find out what they think. Like Graham said, if you call her out, you look like the mean girl. If everyone else thinks the same, then you could all speak to her. It's safer in numbers. Yeah, Julie. Yeah. Uh, Rosie says, my sister-in-law organised a similar gift for my 60th birthday. Quietly, if she likes her gift, Oh, my sister... Oh, I don't know. And quiet, quietly... Oh, ask the friend if she likes a gift and then relay feedback to the friend who bought the present. I, f I feel like Rosie's hand slipped while she was texting that in. <laughs> Bits of it are missing. <laughs> she was on a roundabout, possibly. We don't we don't know. But anyway, thanks, Rosie, for trying to uh, advise. Cleo in Rochford. Uh, Casey, lesson learned. Apologise privately to the birthday girl and just say that now you all know how much to put in for the cheapskakes birthday in the future. <gasps> yeah, right back at you. And I owe you for 45 quid. Uh, Kerry in Prestatin says, I don't think you can accuse her without proof because different websites charge different prices. Maybe she bought it on a site by someone who pretended it was handmade. Well, maybe. <laughs> Did she still think that when she got it? Uh, we don't know. I do. I'm going to give... Um, da, 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 I'm going to give the bottle of Waitrose Loved and Found Frappato to Julie uh, in Liverpool for her wise words. Graham's Guide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I like that German, but it is does sound a bit creepy. Do you know there's a restaurant in her uh, foundation now? Oh, no, Anna. Anna's foundation. Anna Delvey, my foundation. She's got a restaurant. Well, no, she doesn't have it. It's, you know, the building she was trying to buy to have yes. a foundation. Well, uh, some, f I think, a photographic archive or something bought it and they've opened a restaurant in it. So you have they called it the Anna Delvey Foundation? Well, no. But, uh, but, <laughs> Neither of us are doing yeah. German but, now. I don't but, know what but, we're doing. But, but what's weird is, because I was walking along and I thought, that building looks really familiar. And then the window displays are all about Anna Delvey and oh, the foundation. That's clever, then. Yeah. Clever. That's clever. Uh, right, second problem, please. Yeah. <laughs> We've really digressed them. <laughs> Dear Graham and Maria, <clears throat> three years ago, my two closest friends, brackets, let's call them Jane and Joe, got together and have been in relationship ever since. We've been a close-knit trio since we were at university, and while it took a little time getting used to them being in a relationship, we've all stayed very close. A month ago, Jane confided in me and told me that she's developed feelings for someone she works with. While they've not acted on it physically, they always go for drinks after work and spend a lot of time together. 
Joe, of course, is none the wiser. He's under the impression that Jane goes out as a group of colleagues rather than just the one. And while she's not lied to him, she hasn't corrected him. I told her that she needs to confront how she really feels to be able to do something, but I don't see anything changing. I feel so stuck in the middle and truly awful for knowing. I know nothing's happened yet physically, but in my head, Jane is definitely emotionally cheating. What can I do without being a bad friend to either of them? And that is from Simone in Worcester. Oh, Simone, what you can do without being a bad friend to either of them is just keep your mouth shut. Because Jane confided in you. She confided in you. She trusted you. Yes, it's difficult for you, but you've got big shoulders, Simone, and you can shoulder this, and nothing has happened. She was asking you for advice. She was telling you because she's confused also about what to do. I mean, well, it's not your issue, Simone. It really is not your issue. All you can do in this situation, because... You'll just be the messenger and you'll get shot down. Is stand by and be supportive to whichever of the Jane and Joe need you in the future. It might be that this is nothing. It might be it blows out and they carry on being together. But really, it's nothing to do with you. You're a friend. You're not a counsellor. You're not a marriage guidance. You don't owe either of them. Yes. I mean, I, th- I think, Simone, the person to be annoyed with is Jane. Because, because she's confided. Yeah, don't confide in the person who's really good friends with Joe. Well, I mean, that's just, one, a stupid thing to do, but, two, a kind of cruel thing to do. Well, she's she's uh, testing the water, but I yeah, think. But she's you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't make her the keeper of the secret. You know, tell people at work. Tell someone else. Tell whoever. Mm. You know, I mean, frankly, tell Joe. But, uh, but don't tell Simone. I think that was a horrible thing to do. So she is. I know, but you... people tell me secrets sometimes and say don't say anything, and then I think, oh, I wish I didn't know that. But then I forget about it very quickly. That is the great thing about getting older. <laughs> and someone says, and then they say, you know that thing I told you, and I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> what thing that I told you not to say to anybody? I, I, yeah, but I don't know what it was again. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I don't care. Yeah, that's kind of what (laughs) I... Oh, you see, I didn't care about it, so I've forgotten all about it. Uh, So poor old Simone is in a horrible situation. Uh, Look, here's the thing. They've only been together for three years, which is a long time. It's not that long. And what? And and also, you know, you've been friends since university. We don't know how long that is. So, you know, who knows? I don't think it's that long. I don't think it's that long either. So look, they the, all sound quite young to me. Yeah. So the chances of being together for the rest of their lives quite slim. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they will split up. And the Graham Norton's happy guide to and how relationships work. Simone well. can go out with Joe for a few years. That's kind of what I'm getting. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you have a go, and then and then you all, you know, then you're not friends anymore. End of. Yeah, but what uh, what has she got to do? I didn't hear what you what your advice was. Well, she can't do anything. There's nothing she can do. Same right as now. mine, then. Yeah, because uh, there's no good way out of this. The bad things happened in that Jane has emotionally cheated, whatever that is, and told Simone, the one person. She shouldn't have told. She's told. Yeah, but she's really close friends with her. That's what you do with yeah, your he, close friends. But she is also very close friends with Joe. Well, so that's a horrible thing to do. I don't know. Oh, see, I think that's mean. Because you're putting a big wedge between Simone and Joe. 
No, you're not, because it's nothing to do with you. It's to do with Jane and Joe. It's the, the only wedge that Simone is putting there is that she's making it, so because she feels she that Jane has been emotionally unfaithful. That doesn't exist. That's not a thing. So what you hate doing... Simone, I hate Jane. OK, she's trying things out. But everyone loves Joe. Jane is trying things out <laughs> to see how well it goes down with you, what your reaction is, and in the fullness of time, she'll tell Joe. Because she'll have to. But she hasn't taken it to the next level with this person. She says. She says. <laughs> yeah. You hate Jane. I don't hate her, but, you know, I think she's she's behaved very badly yeah. in this situation. I don't really want to be friends with any of them. That's good, because they're ten. <laughs> <laughs> they're not ten. They've been to university. They're at least 23. <laughs> they were very clever. They were, they were in Mensa. <laughs> that response part two. And my favourite responder will be getting a bottle of that Waitrose loved and found frappato. Mmm, light-bodied red with floral nose and notes of ripe strawberry. Dr Helen. Well, now, if Dr. Helen doesn't know, Dr. Helen's in Preston. Jane has put you in such an awkward position, but maybe it's because she wants you to tell Joe because she cannot. I mean, that's a big leap, Dr. Helen. (laughs) Oh, thanks for telling him. (laughs) I'm not sure you're ever going to hear that phrase. I think tell her she has put you in a difficult position and that she's being emotionally unfaithful to Joe. She would not do this if she could see a future with Joe. Tell her to woman up and tell Joe as she's being very deceitful. Certainly, I think you can tell her that, you know, she's put you in a horrible position. James and Enfield, my advice, keep stum. That's the end of that advice. But it's wise, wise words, I would say, James. Billy from Dundee, our regular correspondent, Billy from Dundee. Simone, you need to tell your friend politely that you would not care to be involved in this woman's games. She needs to come clean to her partner, confront her feelings for this other person, but she needs to be made aware that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. The only person who knows the right thing to do is your friend, but she's clearly blinkered. Okay. And Dave from Gloucester. You are both right that Simone cannot do anything about the situation at the moment. However, in the fullness of time, it will either go away or things will come to a head. This is when she can be ready to offer support to one or both of her friends and help them get through the trauma of the situation. True that. You know what? Uh, because really there's nothing else to say. I'm going to give the waitress loved and found for Pato to James in Enfield. Because bottom line... <laughs> You've just, you've got, you just got to wait it out. Just got to wait it out. Thanks for all your uh, responses to Graham's guide this day, today, Saturday. I was going to say this weekend. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Time to meet my first guest of the day, Mark Gatiss. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well (laughs) indeed. Lovely to see you. Uh, Nolly. Nolly Mm. uh, is on ITVX. Uh, It starts this Thursday, well, say starts. It all just it vomits up three episodes. It's always on. Yeah, <laughs> just there you go. <laughs> you want Nolly? There you go. Three hours of it. Uh, it is terrific. You play. I play Larry Grayson. <laughs> what a gay day. <laughs> Yes. And you do get to do some of his catchphrases. Yes, well, like the, really one of the most... Ex- so it's about... It's the story of Noel Gordon being oh, yeah. fired from Crossroads. Oh, whatever. And Noel, <laughs> Noel was... Uh, Noel and Larry were best friends. People used to think... Genuinely used to think they were going to get married in that strange way that, that Light Entertainment used to hold that kind of grip on the nation's yes. throat. And, uh, but the most... Perhaps the most amazing part 
for me of doing it was I had to do a section of Larry's show, uh, which we shot at Stockport Plaza with 150 extras. And it was like a sort of quiet matinee. <laughs> but it was so much fun. I just had to sort of do the thing, you know, do the routine. Um, you know, um, I've, had a t- oh, I've had a terrible week. I've, I've, uh, I've got it all down one side, all down one side. Last week it was this side. Can't wait for next week. You know, and just uh, and it was just so much fun. I thought I might take this on the road, um, but it was it was uh, a, a, just apart from you know um, Russell's wonderful writing and, and and working with Helen Bonham Carter, which was who plays Nolly, yeah, yeah. so much fun and the whole crossroads thing. Anyway, but it was for me. It was just doing this amazing rediscovery of of Larry himself and sort of forgotten how how wonderful he was, but also it, that that particular time, you know, particularly the Generation Game when he just had this sort of effortless um, mastery of, of telly and and the nation's hearts, you know. He was just such a lovely man and so funny and so filthy. <laughs> but it's interesting, too, that the, where they meet. So uh, I, this isn't spoiling anything. The, the show sort of begins with Noel Gordon getting fired from Crossroads. Um, and she doesn't want to go. Mm. Uh, whereas we meet Larry and he is kind of wrapping things up. Well, it's, it's a very strange thing. He was a sort of over, 30-year overnight success. He, he he was a club comic. He sounded as a drag act, actually. And then um, he used to do the first half of his act in drag and the second half as himself. And people didn't know it was the same guy. <laughs> people then, were really... They were, it wasn't simpler times. They were thick. Well, no, they just didn't have glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and then uh, he was seen uh, in a club uh, by an agent who, I think, uh, by Michael Grade, and who then gave him a spot on a variety show. Then he got his own show, Shut That Door. And by the end of 1971, he was on This Is Your Life, Variety Club Personality of the Year. And he had a sort of 10-year supremacy, and then it sort of stopped. So it was, uh, it's a lovely but odd story, but it's not Larry's story, it's Noel's story. <laughs> it is. And I, I also should say, people are listening to this, oh, I know nothing about Crossroads, I'm not going to watch mm. it. I know nothing about it. I grew up in Ireland, in Southern yeah. Ireland. We didn't get Crossroads. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's not really about Crossroads. As you were saying before we came on air, it's actually about kind of telly. It's about telly. It's a love letter to, to telly, but also, to me, it's the story of a queen losing her crown. You know, it's uh, you don't have to know that Crossroads was this immensely popular but much derided soap that Acorn Antiques is based on. Uh, and Noel Gordon was this amazing woman. I mean, she was the first uh, female TV producer on ITV. She was the first person ever to be shot on colour television by John Logie Baird, which is how it starts. Yeah. I imagine Russell found that fact and just thought, I'm putting that in. <laughs> and um, she's an amazing powerhouse. And then they kind of just got shot of her and it destroyed her life as you know as Thatcher said the pain of her life was shattered and then she came back and did Gypsy uh, so it's it's a it's gay catnip isn't it yeah, it really is I feel I feel like uh, the Nolly Russell T Davies version of Gypsy it's kinder to Gypsy than perhaps Gypsy deserves how dare you do you think it was any good I lo- oh the, to that version of Gypsy yes, uh, apparently she was very good but I mean who knows we have Fiona Fullerton to tell us that I don't know of course yes Fiona Fullerton yeah. was in it Yes, I know. It's just so strange, isn't it? It's so full of of uh, personalities we've kind of glanced at. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And um, and in terms of preparing for it, because you don't do an impersonation mm. per se. You do a kind. Of, you're sort of channeling him. You're giving his energy. I'm trying to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just watched a lot. Of, a lot of him. You know. And it's it's just um, it's just 
so addictive. And 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 watch it. There's a particular one. My favourite is in the good old days uh, by 1977. He's absolutely the top of his game, and he just ha- he just has to glance, you know, to camera three or just they're all hysterical, and he just goes, "She wears a wig." I mean, it just throws, <laughs> <laughs> throws in these little things, and it's all about sort of it's all about illness and sort of va- being vaguely, you know, poorly and uh, out of sorts. It's just such a particular kind of uh, of wonderful humour, I think. He is. He was. Well, was a, a great. And the, the thing about him stopping is that true that he, he was in control he stopped, of the yes, end. Yes, he stopped the generation game because he didn't want to repeat himself. And then he moved away with his. He used to live with his sister who who looked after him in Nuneaton. Uh, yeah, and they moved uh, to um, Torquay, I think, or certainly to the coast. And it was a big mistake. He sort of missed the. And and then I think he expected there was going to be a sort of. A second act, and it just never happened, and he, it just sort of faded away. Actually, it's, it's it's quite sad, but he was, you know, at his at the top of his game, really unmatched. I think Mark Gatiss, uh, he plays Larry Grayson in the ITVX drama Nolly, starts on Thursday. But oh, smelly telly, forget it. Uh, <laughs> let, let's head to the theatre. Yes, uh, because you are directing. You well, you have directed a show that's in the West End now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's uh, the Unfriend by Stephen Moffat. That's right, Criterion. Of Criterion, mm. uh, which got amazing reviews, came from Chichester. Uh, but you are rehearsing something right now. I am. I'm directing uh, my partner, Ian Hallard's new play, The Way Old Friends Do, Birmingham Rep, and then on tour, uh, which is a lovely uh, comedy about two old school friends who meet again in middle age and decide to form the world's first ABBA tribute band in drag. Oh, yes. Which amazingly has never been done. Why has no one thought of this before? <laughs> yeah, it's a lovely show. Well, uh, I think we're going to get emails now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it has. I, I did, did it. it. <laughs> I did it. Well, it's the world's first. It's said in the past. Uh, and, um, I know you guys have worked together before, mm. but is this the first time you've directed his work? Yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, Ten times? No, we haven't. <laughs> the moment, we're having a, we are having a great time. I mean, you know, I don't want it to be one of those things where we're having a great time and the show falls apart. But it, it's so far working very well. Well, yeah, we're having great fun. Lovely. Mm. And is it just a two-hander? No, it's six of us. Uh, uh, James Bradshaw from Endeavour, uh, Sarah Crow, oh, wow. uh, is in it, and, and Ian. And uh, we, we have. And Are Don, you in Don it as well? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I can't do it all, Graham. Well, you can't uh, do it all because mm. so that's uh, the way old friends do. That's the Birmingham rep uh, in February, yeah. and then on tour. But then you're at the national. Yes, then I am going to the National, returning to the National, to play Sir John Gielgud in Jack Thorne's new play, The Motive and the Cue, uh, which is about Gielgud, oddly enough, directing uh, Richard Burton's Hamlet on Broadway in 1965. And I'm going to have to shave off what remains of my hair. Oh, no. Yes, and, and wear a lot of caps. And the beard, presumably. The beard, yes, well, that's easy. It's the, it's the other bit. <laughs> but, yeah, I know, it's, it's, it must be frightening. <laughs> <laughs> I did it once before when I played uh, Johnny Craddock and our dog at the time, I remember coming back and the makeup lady had taken it all, all off, really, except this horrible old man bit at the side yeah. and our dog went ballistic <laughs> went crazy <laughs> who is this strange man at the door get away yes I'm expecting that again um, I mean and what's it like I mean because that's a lot of pressure not to freak you out yes. but you know because it's it's playing John Gould it's mm. at the National mm. you know all of that it do you take a job like that lightly or do you just kind of go okay I'm up for this 
Yes, I think so. Oh, no, I don't take it lightly at all, but it's a th- I'm thrilled and terrified. And Sam Mendes is directing it. It's it's a real... Um, uh, Johnny Flynn is playing Burton and Tuppence Middleton is playing Elizabeth Taylor. It's a lovely play. It's very moving. And I, I have to do large sections of Hamlet as John Gilgood. <laughs> so it's, I like a challenge, Graham. Um, I'm very excited about it, but it is, yeah. I've been listening to a lot of Sir John and also um, his his Hamlet, which he did for radio uh, in 1948, I think, and uh, it, it's very good. It's very clear, you know, in a yes. way that Shakespeare often isn't. You just... Well, it was, uh, they did it in such a different way than they do yes, it Yes, although it's interesting. It's not, it's not by any means as kind of um, uh, stentorian. The, the guy who plays Claudius is very old school. <laughs> but Gilgood is, has an amazing kind of lightness to him. Um, he did it four times, I think. Uh, and the, 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 the central thing of the play is that he and Burton clashed because Gilgood essentially couldn't let it go. He, he wanted him to do it the way he did it in the 20s. Yes. You know, and uh, so it's this sort of pull between two different styles of acting, I suppose. And Richard Burton must have been an enormous star. Well, it was. It, it, it's the most successful Hamlet in the history of Broadway. They, Burton and Taylor had just got married and, and everyone came. So it was a phenomenal success and, and they couldn't go anywhere. You know, there were, you know, crowds at the, at the, at the, the door and everything. Um, but, uh, um, but he was very focused on trying to do this thing and be legitimate. You know? And did Giel, did Gielgud make his peace with it? Did he ever like that production? It no, I don't think so. But it's uh, he was also it's very interesting. He was kind of washed up because Olivier had had hitched his cart to John Osborne and the, the angry young men. Yes. and he he'd carried on. Gielgud was sort of forgotten. This is before he started doing movies, really. And 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 Liz Taylor was the one who said, um, you know, your time will come again, and she was completely right. But Step it, forward, Arthur. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> Dudley Moore and Arthur. But I just I was listening to his um, Desert Island Disc from 1981, and Roy Plumley says, um, you've just had a rather controversial success with Caligula. And he, and he says. Oh, I, I so loved being amongst all the naked young people. <laughs> and, and every time the dinner bell went, they would they would clutch their clothes so they could go off and eat pizza with their friends. <laughs> I, that's my favourite. Posh, posh people say pizza. Pizza, yes. It's, it's gone now. <laughs> it has. It has gone. People now know. Uh, Mark Gaines, an absolute pleasure to see you. Uh, Thank you. He stars as Larry Grayson in Nolly. That's on ITVX uh, this Thursday. And The Way Old Friends Do is at Birmingham Rep in February. And that Gielgud play is called The Motive and the Cue. And that's at the, in the National from the 20th of April. You's busy. Yes. <laughs> I like to call it the Gielgud play myself. <laughs> <laughs> you go do things. You okay. must be very... I can't very believe... Well. I'm just going to sit I'm here I'm going now. to lie down. <laughs> yes, I'm going to pretend this interview's gone on for, for five hours. Graham wouldn't let me go. It's just the oddest thing. Uh, take care of yourself. Thanks, Thank so. you so much for the Thank you. Graham Norton. Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Good news, everyone. He's here. You, Fernie Whittingstall, everyone's favourite chef. Uh, thank you very much. Not only have you brought us a gorgeous book, uh, Good Comfort, River College Good Comfort, you've also brought us uh, something from within it, a, a lovely cookie. Yes, I've bought you some chocolate and cardamom dunking cookies. I mean, I call them dunking cookies because they are very good for dunking. It's not compulsory, but if you happen to have a hot beverage on the go and the two, the two can come together in traditional style 
And I mean, I've got a cup of tea here, oh, yes. so I'm going to have a little dunk. I've got coffee. I have a small dunk myself. In fact, um, I've, 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 I must say, I've pre-dunked. And you're right, they dunk very well. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, they dunk very occasionally, as with all biscuits. Something might fall off and go to the bottom, and you get gunk from your dunk. But yeah. if you've got a teaspoon handy, mm. you'll get a gunk. Yeah, but It's still delicious. But, no, that's very good. It's held, it's held its form. Yeah. yeah. It holds up to dunking pretty well. Mm. What is... What, I mean, that is delicious. Am I tasting the cardamom? You are. Or is there <clears throat> orange in it or what's in it? That, that, what you think, what tastes a little bit like a citrus zest is the cardamom. And it goes brilliantly with chocolate, and rather than the way the orange goes well with chocolate. So cardamom and chocolate come together very nicely. And I've used whole cardamom pods, given them a bash, just taken the little seeds out and bashed them a bit, and a little bit goes a long way. So it's just a pinch in the whole mix, and it just makes everything a tiny bit warm and spicy and goes with the chocolate. Um, if someone had asked me uh, what cookbook did I want to see today, I wouldn't have known, but it turns out it was this one. Oh, uh, River Cottage Good Comfort, it is so perfect for now. It is kind of perfect this time of year because every recipe in here is just like a hug. They are gorgeous. It, it's a, it's a, I, I'm glad you say that. It's a, it is hopefully a hug of a book. And the, the little tweak is that these are comfort recipes actually really good for you. So we've, uh, you know, I've taken, you know, these for this cookie, for example, hardly any sugar, uh, quite a lot of dark chocolate, but very, <laughs> very little sugar uh, and still gets that nice buttery crumbliness. So we in the sweet treat section, bit of dialing down the sugar with wholemeal flour, so a bit of extra fiber instead of the white flour. And then at the savory end of things, big on the veg. Uh, you know, lots of extra uh, goodies in there. It's more about putting more good things in than, than yeah. taking anything out. I can notice the thing where you put butter beans into mash. Yeah, that's really good on a fish pie. Yeah. So you because you, they're all quite creamy anyway. So you mash up the butter beans and you get a bit of pulse in there. With, and or you can do it. And is that good for protein and roughage or what? Pro, you get gets more protein and fiber into your mash. And actually, it tastes really great. It's you don't. It's it's not even fifty fifty. It's about kind of. You know, 20% butter beans for 80% spud. And there's still butter and milk in there to make it all creamy and yummy. <laughs> so it's, it, we're not, it, this is not about making, trying to make comfort food ascetic. It's just making it super good by, by a few little tweaks. And this is your, your mother's fish pie, which I, must, I cook because uh, there was a version of it in River Cottage Fish. That's unbelievably awesome that you remember that. And we talked about that many years ago. Oh, did we? Well, I, in your, when you were on a former station oh, yes. uh, at a similar time of day, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you were kind to mention it then, uh, and yeah, it, it, so I haven't done much with that recipe, but I have tweaked and put the butter bean mash in. Uh, I always put peas in a fish pie now. That, you know, you can have them on the side, yeah. but I like them in in the pie. They're with but getting also, all saucy and... as a serving suggestion, I love what you've done here. You put it in a clear. Um, yes. uh, whatever you call that thing, dish. So it's a, a, a good old-fashioned Pyrex oven-proof yeah. dish with the because uh, that means you see the prawn wedged against the side of the glass. And that bit of hard-boiled egg. You could spotting that in the picture. Yes. Oh it, yeah, that's the bit you want, it, isn't it? It's a, it we, we did that. With, I don't always make it like that, but I thought it was fun for the picture to see. And I, I, we've done a before and after, so you see the the pie just before it goes in the oven, and then the shot underneath. You've got the crispy top and all the all the kind of yummy. Uh, bits glued against the glass. And there's been, I mean, a lot of River Cottage cookbooks. I'm, I mean, I, I read it here a second ago, but I can't see it. But it's a lot of them. So when you come to do an... Oh, 13 or 14. So when you come to do a new one, what's going on in your head? Is it sort of, do the publishers say, Hugh, the 
the people are desperate for this or do you kind of have a, a feel for it? I, I usually hope that at some point when the deadline, you know, to get cracking is due, I will... I will have a moment and it'll happen and then I will drop the publisher's line and say, I think I'll do good comfort. And they'll go, oh, that sounds all right. Yeah, crack on, crack on. Yeah. It's so far, so good. You know, I mean... Because you, must, a, been make, you must have been developing these recipes in the spring and the summer, were you, or, it, you or last it take, winter? It takes about a year. To oh, put, OK. Put, it takes a year to put the book together and then it takes quite a few months for the publishers to do their bit. That bit seems odd to me. It seems to get slower rather than faster, that. Uh, you'd think with modern technology they'd be able to... When you'd hand out recipes and it'd be on the shelves the next day, but Isn't it, it takes to do a with bit the colour printing? The colour, all the colour printing happens in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it, it, there are odd things happening. Not odd, this country. <laughs> quite a lot of it happens not in this country. And then we obviously we always make sure we've got uh, proper sustainably sourced paper and FSC and all that kind of thing. Um, but it does. It doesn't seem to get faster that process once you hand it in. Because then, of course, you want to see the finished thing. Yes. You have to wait quite a few months. Yeah. For well, that bit, uh, unless it's unless of course something super important has happened in the world, and then they can make a book in twenty four hours. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we have to wait for your mother's fish pie to pirate's dish. We do. We do. <laughs> it's and it's worth waiting for. It is, and actually, and as it happens, it timed perfectly. River Cottage, good comfort, best love favorites, made better for you. Uh, let's move on to. Uh, Stews. Yeah. Stews and hot pots. Uh, I was immediately drawn to that chapter because they all sound gorgeous. Yes, well, I, I love a good old-fashioned stew and, and I like a dumpling. Are you a dumpling fan? I'm a fan, but I wouldn't make one. Uh, well, so they're very easy. I make dump. There's a carrot dumpling in the book, which is great. It's really easy. Uh, self-raising flour, a little bit of butter, a little bit of grated carrot, and it puffs up very nicely. You could put a little bit of onion in there as well. And uh, beautiful colour, a little pinky orange flush when they puff up in the stew and uh, so I'm, I've, I've always enjoyed a good dumpling and we were talking there uh, while the record was on you, you do a very healthy risotto do you say risotto risotto I don't know I say risotto because it's got a double T <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I make it with spelt and sometimes with barley and so I sometimes call it a speltotto or even a barley otto Okay, and they're, they're 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 great because they've got a little bit more fibre, and and obviously, it's a local ingredient. You know, you spelt and barley grown in the UK, rice less so. Um, so you a bit more local, bit more fibre, slightly different texture, but they work really brilliantly in those risotto type dishes. You can just swap them in for any risotto, really. And I mean. It- Sort of, you, you did you just look at some sort of spelt on the shelf and go, kind of, Oh, I bet you I could do that. Uh, look, or... I don't think I invented the spelt otto. Uh, necessarily. <laughs> I feel like you did. I've never heard the word before. <laughs> well, I did, I did coin it in an early book. I might have been, but it's, it's certainly getting around now, I can tell you. <laughs> Uh, everybody's at it, Graham. They've, they've all nicked my brilliant idea. <laughs> and in terms of, you know, uh, it, I think everybody. If they went to their kitchen cupboard now and opened it up, they would find things in it that we didn't know existed sort of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and the way that all that changes. Does that come from people like you or are there other people influencing you so that now, you know, I'm bashing up a cardamom to put in my... It all comes from Yotta Motolenghi. Nobody else has introduced a new ingredient. No, I mean, some people go big on new ingredients and Yotta loves to push the boundaries. But, I mean, we we all... I think we all chip in in different ways. I mean, I've only relatively I love seeds you know I love pumpkin seeds so and and I use a lot more nuts in my cooking now than I used to 
and uh, nuts were something you had on the bar with your drinks, and now they're things that we put into curries, and we and even uh, I use quite a lot of ground almonds in my cakes and biscuits, and because they have a natural sweetness, so you need a bit less sugar, and then they've got that really wonderful flavour. So I don't know really how do these things th things evolve. Um, where did pumpkin seeds come from? Somebody worked out probably that every time you know they were throwing away squillions of pumpkin seeds or feeding them to the birds or something yeah, yeah. but actually they're quite tasty why don't we give some to humans for a bit and and now i feel like they're throwing away the pumpkin <laughs> yeah i think that there's probably a bit of that going on uh, you're probably right but I, I love a pumpkin seed pesto pumpkin seed and parsley pesto i like anything that alliterates basically actually, that does sound that sounds gorgeous it is good. yeah 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 so the the river cottage the, the cook school the school the cook yeah river cottage hq we call H it but, yeah cookery school in, cookery in devon school. I was thinking cook school can be right. Cookery school. Well, funnily enough, the cook school is the building. Oh. We call it the cook school, where all the you know stations are when everyone everyone gets to cook their have their own oven and hob for our for our cookery lessons. But yeah. And how sort of are there lots of different courses? I mean, are oh they... yeah, many many, all, lots of day courses. You can come to River Cottage HQ and you can learn cheese making and charcuterie. I teach a veg day on our four day course, which has a veg day, a bread day, a fish day, and a meat day. And uh, we do outdoor cooking in the summer. Uh, my old friend Gil Meller, who was in the River oh, Cottage yeah. TV shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he teaches our outdoor cooking. We've got a brilliant fermentation expert called Rachel de Tample, because, of course, fermentation is the rager. Everyone wants a, a live pickle in their tummy these days. In fact, I meant to ask you about that. Ferment, you mentioned fermented veg. Like, I should know what that is. Well, ki kimchi is getting quite popular. Okay, That's the I've spicy Korean yeah. thing. Yeah. And, of course, sauerkraut it goes way back. But... These days we're pepping these things up with lots of spices and maybe a bit of ginger, and we're so it's not just pickled cabbage. We're putting lots of other veg in and making it a bit more aromatic. But it's this whole thing that that rightly people are interested in gut health and are having a healthy gut biome. And fermented foods not only taste great and add lots of zesty flavours, they're really good for your tummy. Well, I shall run home and ferment something. Please do. Uh, <laughs> well, come, come and meet Rachel and do one of our fermentation courses in Devon. I am, I'm slightly tempted. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. But, uh, but Slight, I don't like the slightly. Well, no, because I think <laughs> if I did that, I would then be tempted to ferment everything and everyone I know would get very bored. <laughs> like, it is, is it fermented, it, Graham? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. A if I had a skill, I would have to use it. Uh, River Cottage, good comfort, best love favourites made better for you by you for any winning stall is out now. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you for such our a biscuits. A real, uh, such a pleasure. I'm on a non-sugar high. One more dunk. <laughs> Go. <laughs> There's more. Andy Oliver gives me the lowdown on the new series of BBC's Great British Menu. But first, let's cross to the kitchen and catch up with... Martha. Yes, the trolley is parallel parked. Beautifully, I might say. Uh, what's on it today, Martha? Oh, today we have got some baked meatball buns, a.k.a. a meatball sandwich. Yay! <laughs> they smell delicious. Oh. Italian food carries aroma. Not that this is necessarily strictly Italian, but, you know, it carries that aroma, that tomato-y herbaceous. It's just a... It fills the room. I'm getting a whiff of garlic, am I? <laughs> a little, just a little bit of garlic. A little bit of garlic. <laughs> uh, now, how back to... I mean, how much... Did you cook, if you know what I mean? Obviously, it's it's delicious, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, did you make it all from scratch? So I didn't make the buns from scratch. Waitrose okay. made the buns. Thank you, Waitrose. Thank you, Waitrose. Um, the rest, uh, the, the meatballs were bought balls of meat, but they're kind of... There's nothing been added to them. They're just mincemeat shaped into balls by Waitrose rather than me. So I feel like 
I'll take that. You did that. I basically did that. I opened that packet. <laughs> then the, the sauce is all me and the little dressing. There's a bit of rocket in there as well. It's, yes. it's a sandwich that sings. Yes. I kind of just, I, this is sounding quite achievable to me. <laughs> it should be. But, you know, when I was making this, I was thinking this would be so good as like a work from home lunch or something like that because it cooks. It's all in one pot, one pan in the oven. Yeah. It cooks itself and you just have to then put it up into buns or you could do a bit of meal prep if that's your bag. Okay, and would these, if you wanted, if you didn't want a bun, could you pop this over a little bit of pasta or rice or something? For sure, you could go traditional, put it over pasta, you could put it in any kind of, any kind of bread or just have it with, yeah, couscous rice. Perfect. Mash, I suddenly, suddenly I got a vision of mash. <laughs> meatballs oh. and mash. Oh, that'd be lovely. Yeah, that would be good, actually. Lovely. It's just Abs- warming meatballs, aren't they? It's yeah. It's good. No, this would be all very nice if it was a nice, uh, last weekend, It there was no wind. And mm. our neighbours had a bonfire, and we all took a glass of wine out. And it was always lovely. Oh, you could have bought the meatball sandwiches if you nicer. Known. It would have been nicer <laughs> if I'd had one of these wrapped in a bit of tinfoil. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, okay, uh, how do we go about making this? So we're going to start with a roasting tin, mm-hmm. and we're going to put into that the onion. So you want to finely slice an onion. You don't need to chop it into those fine little dice. Just nice slices will do to create a little bit of texture mm-hmm. in your sandwich. That and your meatballs, a little drizzle of olive oil, and then that goes into the oven at 200 degrees degrees for 10 minutes. Then we're going to pull it out of the oven after 10 minutes and add a can of tomatoes, some tomato puree, a little bit of garlic, a little sprinkle of chilli flakes and some seasoning. Mm. Give it a good mix, then that goes back in the oven for 20 minutes. And in that time, the sauce will reduce. And because it's getting that direct heat from the oven, it becomes really sticky and intensifies in flavour, which for a 30-minute cook, you wouldn't necessarily expect. But yeah. it works really well at creating that intensity. So that's your meatball bit done and dusted. Gorgeous. Then we are just going to grill our buns. So these are Waitrose essential giant white baps. Oh, yes. (laughs) So you want to slice your giant white baps in half, stick them under the grill. When they come out of the grill, you're going to rub them with a bit of extra garlic. So you cut Mm. a garlic clove in half and just rub that over the top of the bread. And you'd be amazed at how much flavour that adds to a dish. Yeah. That little extra layer. We're going to toss a little bit of rocket with some lemon juice and some olive oil. Then you're going to build up your sandwich the meatball goes in there, the rocket, a little bit of parmesan if you like that kind of thing. Which nice. I never say no. You know when no. you're in, the, in an Italian restaurant and they're like, say when. You're like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I am not saying when. I'm just going to wait until there's a huge amount of parmesan on my pasta. Yeah. <laughs> then you put the lid on and that is that. And it's one of Waitrose's super saver recipes. So less than two pounds a portion, which is pretty good for a nice meaty, good quality sandwich. And something that I couldn't gan it down in one song. <laughs> yeah, big enough. I mean, you know, more than three minutes of eating. Time. Yeah, come on, that's that's value for money. Uh, you know, my my jaw is hinged. So uh, yeah, that that's amazing. Uh, really, really lovely. And but what you've done, I would say, you have grilled your baps to perfection. Oh, why? Thank you. Because they're just crispy enough. Good. Just crispy and not burnt. Just that little, yes. but a little tight. It's, it's surprisingly hard to get that correct. No, absolutely. Because it's either, why did you bother? Or <laughs> yeah. this is now sawdust. Lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this is gorgeous. Uh, and under two pounds. Excellent. Very good. Uh, if you want the recipe for the baked meatballs, 
So that's the meatballs are baked in a <laughs> bun. Uh, then you go to the Waitrose Hub, the Graham Norton Waitrose Hub on the Waitrose website. It's waitrose.com slash showchef. And you could see this recipe and indeed all the recipes prepared by Martha. You could also check out the recipe uh, visually on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, affordable and delicious. Thank you so much. Uh, what are we getting tomorrow? Something sweet and extremely easy. Okay. <laughs> Is it a packet of biscuits? No, that would be extremely easy. Maybe I should change it. <laughs> Is it a box of chocolates? <laughs> I'll stop guessing. I'll spoil it for myself. Uh, thank you very much, Martha. I'll see you tomorrow. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Mm-hmm. Pulling up now. Uh, I thought there mightn't be a trolley involved today, but there is. <laughs> I was going to just bring you a mug, but I felt like it should be should be presented properly. No, because we... <laughs> I thought, you know, I heard it might be a mug pudding, a bit of a, mu- a mug cake. These are big old mugs. <laughs> They're a generous portion. Are those single portions? They are, yeah. <laughs> the, the mug looks in bigger. In America. <laughs> <laughs> the mug looks bigger than the cake inside. But okay, I, if, I haven't peered inside yet. I wanted to give you something really moist, and normally the bigger the cake, the more moist uh, it will be. Okay, and uh, what are we calling it? What's the full title of today's receipt? So this is Molten Chocolate Microwave Mug Pudding. And it's a recipe by Steph Blackwell, who is a brilliant baking food writer. Um, And she's really put the time into this recipe because a lot of mug cakes, I don't know if you've had any experience of making or eating mug cakes. but I must admit, no. (laughs) I'm sure people at home will have tried making them and often they come out really badly. Okay. (laughs) They can be really dry. People can overdo them in the microwave. And very rarely will you get something that actually resembles... A cake. cake that you were craving in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the what's the advantage to this? Is, is it just that kids can? It's you know it's a safe, easy. You know, no one can get burnt. It's a kind of easy thing for kids to to cook along with. For sure. So the advantage of this is it cooks in a minute. So one minute in the microwave. So you're, what like you're my s- poached egg. Not going off about <laughs> yeah, it, but uh, like, yeah, like my poached egg. Yeah. <laughs> People keep tagging me in videos on Instagram of your poached egg and it's exploded in their microwave and they blame me. <laughs> well, they've left it in too long or they've put it on too high a setting. Yeah. Well, this one, one minute to one minute ten in the microwave. Okay. And depending on obviously the size of your mug. But a lot of people make the mistake with a mug cake of thinking... Oh, I'll just chuck everything in the mug, stick in the microwave, and magical, a lovely cake will come out. But actually, you do have to put the effort into making the batter just as good as a regular chocolate cake, and then the time-saving and the energy-saving is in the microwave part. (laughs) And what would happen if you had an oven-proof mug? And actually, these look oven-proof to me. All right, they they look like they're solidly... (laughs) They look like we could drop them out the window, (laughs) and they'd be fine in uh, the Shard Quarter Plaza. Um, If you put that in the oven, would it turn into a cake as well? Yeah, definitely. It just would probably take around eight to ten minutes. So you have to wait a little longer for your pudding. Okay. So how do we make our delicious chocolate cake? So we're making, obviously, a lovely chocolate cake batter to okay. begin with. <laughs> um, so this, because it, it does look like it serves a lot, obviously, but it's two makes two mugfuls, so all the ingredients are in quite small quantities. Two big mugfuls. Two big mugfuls, yeah. You could you could definitely split this into four very tiny mugs. No, but, but also, no, I mean, OK, go on our socials. <laughs> go on our socials at Virgin Radio UK and you will see these are big. Most people's mugs are not this big. <laughs> big. I like a big, a big mug for my no, tea. No, no, I like a big mug too. <laughs> Even my mugs aren't this big. Uh, but anyway. It's a super-sized yeah. mug. And they are more or less full of cake. 
Like it's no. not it's not like the cake only comes up halfway. Yeah, no, it really rises up. So use you need to use a big mug okay. because it, otherwise your microwave is going to be full of uh, cake lava. And nobody likes that. <laughs> no, that no. would not you The funny no. thing is people always make mug cakes for ease. It's like, "Oh, I can't be bothered to cook. <laughs> I can't be bothered to bake, so I'm just going to make this mug and then if it explodes all over your microwave, you are cleaning up a lot more than you would if you just made a regular cake." <laughs> yes, all those people who exploded poached eggs. Uh, <laughs> Don't think try again. This. Think again. <laughs> so, we're going to take our dry ingredients first, put them into a bowl. So you've got plain flour, some baking powder, cocoa powder, caster sugar and light brown sugar. So we're using really high quality ingredients in this. So you should of expect course. a high quality cake. If you yes. use, if you just use a few low quality ingredients, your cake might not be as nice. So we're putting all that into a bowl with a little pinch of sea salt. Then in a separate bowl, we're melting some butter, mixing that with some coffee, a bit of vegetable oil and some sour cream. And the sour cream is what helps balance out the flavours in the cake and make it not so sickly as you might expect a chocolate okay. cake to be sometimes. Yeah. So you've got your wet ingredients and an egg goes in there as well. Then we're going to mix together the wet and the dry. And you don't want to overbeat this. You just want to gently mix it until it's combined, we might get a little bit of a tough sponge. Okay, we don't want a tough sponge. Nobody likes a tough sponge. No, no. <laughs> and then you want to scoop it between your mugs, fold through a few chocolate chips that will melt into little puddles in Lovely. your microwave. very nice. And then the microwave part, you need to keep an eye on it. That is my number one top tip, is stand by your microwave for the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> the entire one minute, don't, one minute ten. Don't walk away or you might be left in trouble. So you want to put it in and it takes between a minute and one minute, ten seconds. And if your microwave doesn't have one of those spinny turntables, you need to open the door every few seconds or every 10, 15 and turn it a little bit just so that it gets a nice even cook. I didn't know that you could get a microwave without a little turny table on it. In yeah, it. you can. The okay. one here, the one here has no turntable, so I had to do a few practices to make sure. That Come we were on, getting a Virgin good, Radio. <laughs> getting a good result, but yeah, you, what do you want? Is it? It will rise up, and you'll think, "Oh my goodness, this is going to go over the top," but it should just hold itself at the top of the mug, and then it will just be a little bit kind of puffy and gooey around the edge, and it will feel spongy in the middle. Get it out, and then leave it to rest for a minute before okay. diving in. And I see, Martha, you worried me now because I'm thinking I'm watching it, I'm watching it, I'm watching it, but it will, you know, I'll watch it till it explodes, and then I'll go, oh yeah, I should have stopped this a minute ago. How do you, how do you know that it's going to explode? It shouldn't, exp- it shouldn't explode. I've had no in my tests. I've had no experience of exploding mugs. <laughs> Um, if you're really worried about it, put a saucer under it when it goes in the microwave, so that if it does bubble over, it will be caught. Okay. Wise, wise words, wise words to live by. Molten chocolate microwave mug pudding. Uh, the recipe is by Steve Blackwell. But it is now on the Graham Norton Waitrose Hub. You just go to the Waitrose website, uh, waitrose.com slash showchef. And you can see all the recipes prepared by Martha. And as I say, you can check out uh, the size of our mugs. <laughs> our um, massive mugs. Our <laughs> massive mugs full of cake. Um, on our socials, at Virgin Radio UK. That Thank you very much, Martha. You Have a lovely week. Uh, and I'll see you next weekend yes. for more, for more chow down. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Hey, Andy Oliver's here. Hello, Andy Hello, Oliver. Hello, darling. Uh, how are you? I'm good. It's fancy in here. It is very fancy. Quite fancy. I know. It's, I quite, like it. it's quite new, isn't it? Oh, that's, I'm not used to that. No, nor me. <laughs> Nor me. But the carpet tiles are all stuck down. It's I don't, yeah. lovely, darling. <laughs> yes, isn't it nice? Uh, Great British menu. I can't believe this is series 18. Right. 
right? It's an absolute institution. I mean, you know, when I joined, I think I was on about 12 or 13 when I started it or something like that. And it was already obviously a massive institution. So there is something daunting about stepping into something so established. But once you get through the doors at Great British Men, it's just like a sort of big family because it's been going for so long and the people that make it, the kind of body of the people that make it are so good at it yes. that they have a kind of absolute vocabulary and a shorthand and you just get in into it really, really quickly and really easily. Actually. And uh, obviously, every year you're preparing a British menu for a, uh, you know a special occasion. Yeah. What is it this year? It's uh, Paddington's 65th birthday. Oh, I know. Doesn't everybody look makes it. that noise. Yeah. <laughs> so Paddington, you just you have to naturally just go oh as soon as you say his name. Yeah. But everybody just adores Paddington Bear, and obviously with the Queen passing, there's an even added kind of emotional connection yeah. to everybody. So it's a beautiful thing, um, and because of that, we are celebrating illustration and animation and it's a beautiful brief Graham. Ah so it's not just marmalade recipes. It's, it's not just loads of marmalade <laughs> and kind of weird bear pictures at all um, it's it's a lovely brief because it means because it's illustration and animation all the chefs really reach back to their childhood and they reach back to things that are really emotive for them, things that really matter and you know food tastes better when you mean it. Food tastes better when it means something to yeah. you, when, you know, so the inspirations are obviously always pivotal and incredibly important but the more the chefs have emotional connection to those inspirations the better the food is the better the end product is if, if you want to call it that so uh it's been a beautiful amazing thing quite a lot of crying yes i mean well now here's the thing as the host you now get to see the crying you know was it is it an easier job being a judge um well, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> and, now, and now the judges are going to go, what? How dare you? But uh, it sort of is. It's a, it's a different job being a judge. But you are less emotionally invested, yeah. I think. And you kind of have to be because you have to be able to be that a step removed from it so that you can really honestly, genuinely go through each forensic tiny little bit of the dish. And I still do that in my head. But now, because I've been with them all week, I'm emotionally like really willing them on and really wanting them to do well and if they don't do well it's absolutely heartbreaking when they do do well it's absolutely wonderful i mean it's quite brutal yes because they work on it on their inspiration for a few months and then one of them goes home after the fish course so they work <laughs> really <laughs> Not hard after the fish course yes and then it's like bye and they have to leave and every single week i feel absolutely terrible because somebody has to go and because i know how slow telly can be yeah. when i watch it i always think None of this food is warm. That's the, the chefs must be just going, going. Eat it, eat it now. No, it's hot. Is it's it hot. Is? It's hot because you don't believe me at all, Deep Best. That's I've the never seen. Face. I've never seen steam coming off that. Food. No, I promise you, it's hot. It's because we treat it like, especially on judging day, we treat it like a restaurant service. So it comes up, it gets to the pass, the waiters take it, and it goes straight to the chamber, and it goes straight in because otherwise the judges aren't tasting the food at their best, and we want the chefs to have the best chance. No, that's what I was thinking. The chefs would want... And the, the chefs, it's interesting because obviously it's a great ad for wherever they work yep. and their restaurant, their hotel, whatever. But it's a high-risk strategy because you're well, working... Because these aren't wannabes. These are people in the industry. Yeah. So uh, do you have to treat them kind of differently than you would like a regular contestant? No. <laughs> it's really hard to tell. No, because what happens, I think, and even for some reason, actually, I think even the, the, the most established chefs, they become like 
14-year-olds or something because it means so much to them. As you said, we're on Series 18. A lot of the time, these chefs have grown up watching Great British Menu. Yeah. And when they started training to be chefs, they were watching Great British Menu thinking, goodness, maybe one day I'll get to do that. And so when they get there, they kind of become quite tiny and vulnerable. So so they, they, they don't even feel very grand. Even the grander ones don't feel very grand because they want it so, so much. And so I feel very connected to the kind of children in them a little bit, the yeah. kind of hopeful young person inside all of them. You know, that's, that's kind of what I experience from them. And I mean, and that thing leaving after the fish course, is there, I mean, do they have people there to hug them as they leave? I do it. You do it. (laughs) Hugging duties fall to Andy. I do it myself. We are very, I mean, you know, we do really think about that because it's a lot, you know, to work really, really hard and then go home. What happens often, I find, is that if that happens to a chef, they come back, they go away and they work out how to do it and then they come back the next year and they 99% of the time do better. Okay. Because it, because it is a specific thing it's not like cooking in a restaurant it's not like cooking at home for your family there are so many things like notes that you have to hit you've got to hit the brief you've got to show off your skill you've got to coherently get pull the dish together you've got to do it on time you've got to be nice to the other chefs (laughs) (laughs) which i'm well you know that's kind of a lovely and surprising aspect of it they're so supportive of each other Uh, so uh, cooking is now such a big part of your life i mean you started in music I started in music. Cooking's always been there. I started in music. Even when we were doing music, I was cooking. Though, because yeah, yeah. I, for me, they're kind of linked. They kind of come from the same place, oddly. It's a sort of a kind of meditative, happy, little quiet spot inside myself where I can kind of just find out what I really mean, if you see, if, yeah, you, yeah. if you catch my drift. And April's going to be a big month because Thursday, the 27th of April, is this your, is this your first ever cookbook? It's my first ever cookbook. Wow, it's called The Pepper Pot Diaries. Yeah. And so is it is it kind of a, a cookbook memoir hybrid or...? It's, it's, a, it's a kind of cookbook diary hybrid. Hybrid, really. Okay. So I in the in the, the lo- in lockdown in the second lockdown I went to Antigua just like in that little bit in the middle when you could suddenly move around. <laughs> we went to Antigua and we got off the plane and they said, uh, "Oh, we've changed the travel um, advice and you have to stay for three months." I mean, what a terrible find! What wow. an awful, terrible nightmare! Yeah. I couldn't believe my luck. I was like, "Are you kidding? I get to be here for three months?" So I stayed here for stayed there for three months. Me and my partner Garfield stayed there for three months and I started writing because I am also. I'm not one of those people who can just lie down yeah, yeah, yeah. and do nothing. So after about a week, I was like, OK, I'm going to have to work out what I'm going to do for three months. And I started writing every day. So it took the foot. It takes the form of a diary and a journal. So there are little essay pieces and thought pieces and recipes and heritage recipes and also things that come out of my head as well using old ingredients that perhaps I grew up with like tamarind and planting and all sorts of stuff. And I just did loads of research. I mean, I had the time of my life essentially yeah. for three months I just got space because I'm you know I'm very busy Graham I, I know you I know you are I'm looking at you but but the, the I think like we all well not we all but a lot of people like to cook yeah but if somebody then was to kind of check my cooking and say you know how do I turn this into a recipe right I, I think I would find that quite annoying it, it well <laughs> 
it was a it was a big shift in my head because I'm a self I'm self taught. Yeah. So I didn't ever go to a college and somebody said, right, this is how you do it. This is how you quantify it. A bit of that. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. this. Yeah. Um, that's how I learned to cook. And, yeah. You know, watching people and getting taught how to throw things together and make things delicious. And that's to me that's the starting point. Is making things delicious. You can make it pretty if you want, as long as it's delicious. Yeah. That's the main concern for me, really. <laughs> um, and the recipes in the book, I, I kind of I really want people to get confident because that's the thing about um, being in the kitchen. You know, people say, oh, I don't like cooking. I'm like, it's because you're not confident. It's not really. Most people, once they get a little bit of confidence, find that they do enjoy making something lovely for themselves and the people that they love because what's not to love about that? It's a, it's a gorgeous thing to do, you know. It is also about having time, I think. Like, I, yes. I enjoy cooking sometimes much more than, you know, yeah. during the week, it's quite stressful. To yeah, well, it, well it depends what you... I think also it's like knowing how to manage that. So you need to be a bit... Or you need to get some stuff in the kitchen. You need to have a sort of store cupboard. But just so you're not constantly... So like, I, there's a big section in the book about weekend cooking, which is when you can be leisurely. And, yes. you know, there's a soundtrack. There's a playlist um, on the book because I've put together... It's like 12-hour playlist I put together because um, I just... I've always got tunes on all of my favourite music. So there's a weekend section where you can put on the playlist, get yourself a nice butler, Sutton, Sutton, nice, <laughs> and just, like, really enjoy yourself. And then there's, like, week, uh, like weekday cooking, stuff you can, like, put together 20 minutes, 15 minutes, something delicious, like there's a shrimp and plantain coconut curry that's really, really quick, absolutely delicious. Just flavour is what we want. Yeah. We're seeking flavour. You know, when people think about Caribbean food, they think it's all hot, but it's not heat that we're looking for. It's depth of flavour that we're looking for. So it's about learning what works for you and your family. I'm doing like chair dancing yeah, no, again. Very, no, it's very good. Choreography for the, the, for the, the, for the food. Yeah. But that's how I see what I mean. They're linked to me. And are you, you know, because obviously you've been in a position of judging people's food yes. now for quite some time. Yes, for some time now. <laughs> the tables have turned. <laughs> so are you, are you worried about that? Yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not actually, because I just feel like, and I'm always very, I mean, I'm very honest about judging other people's food, but I think that uh, I think that where the food comes from and the, and the arena that it's in, it changes or, or the way people perceive whatever it is you're doing. This is not restaurant food. This is not restaurant cooking. Yeah. This is food for the home, for the soul, for the heart, for your family, for the people around you that you love and you care about. It's food to sort of make the week move along more beautifully and, you know, put, put some oil in your engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And in terms of this book, is this like because it's your first book, mm. The Pep Pot Diaries, presumably this is all your greatest hits. They're all in there. Um, some, not all of them, actually. Oh, but there's, most, there's without Pepper well, there's a lot. You see, the thing is, too. Well, it takes a long time to write a cookbook, right? So this has been going on for a couple of years now, and now it's out. So while, once I finished all the recipes, I started writing new recipes. So I've got a whole bunch of new stuff that isn't in this book because, you know, that's how I roll. Yeah. And um, so, but all of the, uh, there's mo most of the things I've loved for years are in this book and some brand new things as well that I worked on when I was in Antigua because I discovered all sorts of new ingredients that I'd never worked with which oh, was quite fabulous. exciting. Uh, the Pepper Pot Diaries it's out on the 27th of April but you can pre-order it now wherever you pre-order your books uh, Amazon, Waterstones Bookshop.org, yes. Hive all of yes. those and let's remind people again that Series of 18 of The Great British Menu kicks off this Tuesday at 8 o'clock on BBC2 uh, Andy Oliver what a pleasure thank you so much Thank for coming you. to see It's been lovely being here. Have a lovely Sunday. Oh, same to you. Sunday, yeah. Sunday. Guess. Yeah. Uh, the, um, guest. 
guest. And the guest we're trying to identify is this one. It was an Irish teacher I had in uh, the second grade who said, uh, you know, whenever I want something, I pray to the Virgin Mary and I ask her to ask God for it. And, you know, I, I promise something in return and I get whatever I want. <laughs> I need a bike. <laughs> I went home and I prayed for a bike. And uh, two weeks later, I, uh, I walked into the living room and there was a brand new Mustang bike with a banana seat. And I said, what's this? And they said, you won it in a raffle. And it turns out I won it in a raffle that I never entered. Okay, and we've got some people on the line, and if they correctly identify that voice, they will win a Graham Norton with Waitrose gift box with that reusable cup and champagne, truffle, shortbreads, all sorts of lovely things. Uh, first up, we've got Simon. Hello, Simon. Hi, Graham. Hi, where are you? I'm in Middlesbrough oh, right now. Lovely. Is it right now, or is that where you live? Or you well, just well, I, live, I live here now, but... But yeah, I'm here. I live in Middlesbrough. <laughs> you sound thrilled about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, where did you move from? Uh, I moved from Wilkshire. Oh, OK. And what do you do in uh, Middlesbrough, Simon? I'm a field monitoring officer. Well, now. And, uh, I mean, do you monitor the fields around Middlesbrough? No, I monitor naughty boys and girls. OK. I've no idea what what we're talking about. Uh, what it, what yeah, is? Um, I work for the I work for the Ministry of Justice, basically. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's a yeah. Pro- yeah. a that's proper all, job. That's all I can say. Okay. We. I won't pry. I don't want to get you into trouble. No. Uh, let's no. see. Do you know who that voice belongs to, Simon? Yeah, it's Jim Kerry. Let's see if you're right. Oh, the tension bed is unbearable. Are you right? Are you wrong? You're right! It is Jim yeah. Carrey. Well done, Simon. You win the... Uh... I should get that right. I'm one of his biggest fans. <laughs> oh, well, he'll be thrilled that you got it right. It would have been embarrassing if you got it wrong. Uh, so well yeah. done for getting it right. You get the gift box. Would you like to say hello to anyone while you're on the air? Just say hi to all my friends and family that are listening. Oh, Hello. Well... Hello, hello, Simon, and uh, I, you know, enjoy Middlesbrough. You love a, it's a nice place. All right, thank you very much for playing. Take care of yourself. Thank you, Graham. All right, cheers, Simon. Thank you. Bye, 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 bye. Oh, thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, have you clicked that follow button on all of our socials? Just look up at Virgin Radio UK on all platforms to see everything from gorgeous dishes to Graham's guides. For now, speak to you soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.